Welcome to Learned Lag, a podcast about yesterday's Learned League questions and answers. I'm Amanda. And I'm George. Amanda and I are both in Zephyr A. This is season 26 for me and season 22 for Amanda. And this is day three of season 94. Our first question asks for the word for a small, round, ornamental napkin or mat that usually involves lace and is named after a 17th century London clothier. Uh, so this kind of vaguely sounded like a doily. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I tried to talk myself out of it because I feel like, aren't there also doilies on, like, uh, furniture? There can be, yeah. Okay, and, but this didn't say furniture, so I was kind of trying to figure out, does that mean it's not the thing that I think it is? Mm. I just kind of thought, like, uh, is serviette... Uh, this I think mm-hmm. that's just another word for napkin. I think that's just yes. like British napkin. It is, but but I I uh, wasn't certain enough that this isn't like a particular kind of napkin, maybe. Mm. But that didn't sound like it was named after anyone. Uh, so I just kept coming back to doily and thinking, well, I don't know what it's named after. I don't know that it's not named after some clothier or whatever. And I, if it's not this, then I'm not going to get it because just nothing else was coming to me. So mm-hmm. I went with doily. Yeah, I um, I tried to think of any other things that this could be because it sounded very much like a doily to me. Um, you know, the, the part about it being often placed under a bowl or a dish, those are the things that kind of made me eliminate things like charger or, you know, placemat or something like that mm-hmm. that you would use um, kind of at the table. Um, but apart from that, I thought, no, this... This really sounds like a doily because a charger would be typically be um, like sort of just a larger decorative plate of some kind or, you know, it wouldn't be made of cloth, typically speaking. And then similarly, placemats um, are, you know, sort of larger, flatter, not necessarily round, not lacy per se, uh, typically speaking. And so, you know, the doily was the only thing that really seemed to fit the bill. Um, I, I hadn't heard about the etymology of the word, but I thought that sounded perfectly plausible that it might come from a name like Doyle or something like that. So I put down Doily as well. And that was correct. Mm-hmm. Uh, question two, I'm just going to admit I didn't get and move on. <laughs> so go ahead and go oh ahead and say your piece. Goodness. Yeah. Well, wow. we're, uh, the question two, it, I'll at least go and describe it. That's right. It asks for um, what municipality is very near a geographical feature called Cemetery Ridge in Pennsylvania. Um, And so this is one where, you know, my American history um, stats are kind of trash and it really shows up in a question like this, um, which I assumed like the, the only thing I could guess was something to do with the American Revolution, and in particular Valley Forge, which I visited. And that's, you know, pretty recently, within the last five years or so. So that's how I know about it. Um, And so that was top of mind for me. I thought, sure, you know, a place called Cemetery Ridge might logically be near Valley Forge, where, you know, the, the, um, the army you know, stayed and probably lost a lot of soldiers because there was a lot of uh, privation and cold and all that kind of stuff. Um, And the other thing, you know, I tend to forget that there, that any part of, for example, 
the Civil War would have been, um, you know, relevant to Pennsylvania. Or I, I just, I don't know. I don't know all these, you know, uh, battlefield names or place names that should be associated with that kind of thing. Um, and so I just put down Valley Forge because that seemed like the, the likeliest, you know, it, it was a name that I knew that sounded plausible. That's really the essence of it. So that's what I put down. Fair. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I guess I have to talk about it. You do. That's the point of the podcast. I just, it it didn't trigger the military history part of my brain at all, just reading the question. I don't know why. Which is weird because I feel like literally everything I know. potentially does. I know. Trigger that. So my, my first thought was Pittsburgh because that's the Pennsylvania municipality I know because uh, our, our my in-laws live there, mm. at least for the moment. Uh, and then I just kind of thought, well, no, that doesn't really ring a bell. And I thought, well, wait, is maybe it's near Philadelphia, and it was part of that Mayor of Easttown show that mm. was a big thing like a year ago or so or whatever uh-huh. that had Kate Winslet. And everybody was talking about how great the accents were and how rich they were in this Philadelphia area. Mm-hmm. So maybe that's why this is suddenly relevant. Okay, sure. We'll go with that. Philadelphia. The answer was Gettysburg. Yeah, of course it was. Yeah, I mean, you know, for my part, I I can never remember that Gettysburg is in Pennsylvania. Mm. I don't feel like anything to do with the Civil War ever took place in Pennsylvania, and I don't know why I feel that way. I feel like it's all in Virginia, basically, is where my mindset is. Cemetery Ridge was known as the high point of the Confederacy because it was as far north as they ever got. Ah. As part of the Battle of Gettysburg before they returned back. I see. Yes, that that does seem like something a military historian might know about. Really does. Really does. Um, so, bummer on that one. Uh, moving on to question three, we are asked for the base unit uh, in science that defines an amount of a substance by the number of fundamental units it contains, effectively. Uh, and in particular, it was atoms in 0.012 kilograms of carbon-12. Right. So 12,000th of a kilogram, mm-hmm. which is to say 12 grams yeah. of carbon-12. Yeah. Those numbers are the same because this is a mole, mm-hmm. which is the num- uh, the Avogadro's number yes. of, of atoms that make up a gram. Right. And it's 6.02 times 10 to the 23rd or something like that. Sure. Um, and yeah, I kind of tried to talk myself out of this because it just seems like this weird way of going about it, but amount of su- substance, that's a mole. Mm-hmm. That's what it is. And yeah. the, the numbers lined up correctly. And I, and I remembered that it had been redefined recently. Mm-hmm. They defined it more precisely. Right. Uh, I think they figured out like what all the numbers in, uh, in Avogadro's number would be. Okay. Um, or something like that. So. Yeah, uh, that's, it's a mole. Mm-hmm. One of my favorite things from chemistry class back in the day. Yeah, it's a really uh, interestingly defined measurement. Um, and, uh, you know, once I read the part about, you know, containing effectively a number of fundamental units, that's really kind of the giveaway there, because mm-hmm. there's not really another measurement that tries to get that fundamental um as the mole does like it's you know if you think about uh any volume measurements those are all subject to 
temperatures or, you know, different things can kind of change how much of a substance goes in a certain volume. Or um, if you think about mass, that can vary, I don't know, depending on the planet you're on. So um, it's, it, or at least the weight, for example, not, not the mass per se, but the weight that you would measure. So something like the mole is more that kind of, you're trying to quantify an amount of substance by almost like the number of pieces of that substance that exist in a particular mass of that you know so that, so that it's comparable across um different substances that are that you're trying to be able to have that base measure of anyway i also you know the short answer really is that i was pretty sure this was a mole as well mm -hmm. and and it was yes i've never really been entirely certain what the point of a mole is other than cuz you could just say well it's this many atoms mhm mm well, that's that many atoms. And what's a mole of that? Well, yeah, but it's that many atoms of that, or it's that many molecules of that, or it's that many things of that. So I think it seems kind of odd. What I recall from my chemistry classes way back in college is the it is the difference between, you know, putting that number of atoms, like if you're going to put it into solution or something like that, mm -hmm. then you having um a solution that's expressed in molar form gets at that more than it does you know um i don't know it's there there's a reason that it's a different measurement than grams per milliliter milligrams per milliliter something like that so or just numbers of atoms yeah oh. it, it's useful i guess that's probably the short answer sure. somehow okay question 4 Asks us what animated 1967 film features Baloo singing The Bare Necessities? The Jungle Book mm -hmm. does. Um, we've seen this with Gloria, I want to say, during the pandemic. Okay. Um, our, our youngest, I think we were casting around for different movies that would be suitable for her. And mm. uh, I don't know if she watched it all the way through even, but I certainly reminded of you know, and this was even a couple of years ago from now. I think it was earlier on in lockdown mm -hmm. or whatever, um, which is a term that I really ought to eradicate from my vocabulary because that's not what we were we were enduring. Anyway, um, this is the Jungle Book, and I had seen it recently enough to be quite certain of it. Um, but you know, I think I would have, you know, th this one is definitely one that I remember watching. Um, the song that I remember the most from the Jungle Book, though, is Trust in Me, that's sung by, um, the snake character as he's hypnotizing Mowgli. Okay. Um, that I found that much more sort of compelling and sinister and, you know, so I remember it a little better as a kid. Anyway, it's the Jungle Book. It's the end. Yeah, I kind of had to think about, like, sort of visualize in my brain, like, okay, Baloo dancing around singing the song and he's dancing oh, yes. in what is very clearly a rainforest like oh yeah this is the jungle book all right yeah yeah um i i remember seeing this when i was a kid i think it was probably on you know, like the disney saturday movie a yeah lot. And, yeah at least once or twice you know, i think i might have even had a record of the of the soundtrack mm. 
I had a I book only... adaptation of it, I think. Mm. It might have been a compilation of several Lizzie movies, but mm-hmm. I, I feel like there was something like that, which is kind of funny considering it comes from, you know, <laughs> a book <laughs> a book to start with, yeah. but perhaps not one you want kids uh, necessarily reading Kipling, right? Yeah, I, don't so, know. Um, I don't know how kid-friendly it is. I don't know that I've ever read the original. Yeah. But yeah, and I said The Jungle Book, and I zeroed this one because my opponent had a pretty good film score, as I recall. I did that as well for my main Rundle opponent, because um, I figured that's that that was one of the more gimme answers of the day for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, conversely, question five asks us uh, for a literary term that is very pastoral and evokes tranquility and peace and is associated with country life or rustic charm. I I had another word in mind for most of the morning while I was oh. thinking about it. And I can't even remember what it was. <laughs> um, now I'm curious too, so that's yeah, really unfortunate. I'm, 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 that's going to drive me nuts all night. Okay. Um, but I just... I. Thought it was I, I had something and then I thought eh it's probably not that and I'll I'll just think about mm-hmm. something. Else. Okay. Um, but finally I came back to it and I thought idyllic mm. kind of works for this. Oh, graphic that was the word I had. Oh, okay. Uh, based on it being the picture uh, the or domi- form. Yeah, diminutive of a picture. Okay. But that, that that never really yeah I. It was one of those things where like is this a music term? I don't think so, but. Uh, and then I thought of idyllic, and I thought, okay, Id- idle, Id- Id- idyllic, okay. Um, is it is this a diminutive of picture or form? I can't really pull that from it. Right. Um, but it, it's about tranquility and peace, so, yeah, okay. Mm-hmm. Um, so, sure, yeah, I'll say it's an idyllic. Sure. Yeah, I, you know, the... The clue about, you know, the Greek diminutive derivation of this did not really help me because I don't know, you know, Greek or Latin roots necessarily that well, although my language score is pretty darn good. Um, But, you know, so I kind of got stuck on the pastoral, the country life and the rustic part of this um, question. And a little less so the tranquility and peace. Um, and so the word that sprang to mind for me after a little bit of, you know, letting it percolate was bucolic, um, which I didn't really know if bucol would be like a noun form. Like bucolic is mm, more the yeah. adjective, but like there are paintings out there that you just kind of call bucolics. Like uh-huh. they're not. Um, kind of like pastorals mm-hmm. it, it's like a title or a category of something as well as um, being an adjective that you would use to describe um, something in one of those works and so once I, I came up with that I thought you know that that just sounded kind of right to me um, I and you know with the spoiler that of course idol was the correct answer I don't think I ever would have gotten to that one because idle to me evokes something sort of paradisiacal or just sort of perfect or, you know, less so country life and almost more so wilderness almost or something. There's mm-hmm. some connotation or subtle distinction that tripped me up on this one. Okay. 
Um, so bucolic is what I put down, though. Hmm. Uh, it was idle or mm-hmm. ideal. Mm-hmm. I don't know what the pronunciation of the noun form of it is. I don't know that I've ever I actually said idle. it out loud. Okay. Yeah. And you'll notice, like, there's the um, golf course down near us called Idlewild. Yeah. I think. So it's, that may be part of why I kind Does of come from that? go in a slightly okay. different direction with what that means. Mm-hmm. So, oh well. Question six asks us for the classic sitcom that has the what does a <laughs> yellow light mean <laughs> exchange yes um and notes that it comes from september 1979 that it's a classic sitcom and you know i i thought a little bit about what this could be uh i'm very glad i didn't think of barney miller because that mm. might have thrown me off but i considered like could this be a wkrp thing but I figured the content of this exchange was relevant to the sitcom that it was. And the one that came to mind for me was Taxi, because obviously this exchange between two people about a yellow light is about driving. So mm-hmm. it's kind of, what do you do at a yellow light? Well, that's that's relevant to orienting a, a new driver um, or a taxi driver, certainly, to the rules of the road. So um, I thought that that had to be the reason it was included, to to have one like this and then have it be, you know, the Mary Tyler Moore show seemed like that just wouldn't be, it would be like if it came from WKRP, but you don't use the, as God is my witness, I thought turkeys could fly line, (laughs) you know, you're just being mean at that point. Um, And Thorsten wants you to get it. So um, I thought, yeah, this is... A, a funny exchange that I can almost picture for myself. I don't remember which actors played these particular two characters necessarily, um, but I definitely could it absolutely fit it into my image of Taxi and the kind of comedy that Taxi featured. Um, you know, it's definitely this sort of character inflected, but also very, um, you know, kind of broad in its way of just this is this is almost a who's on first like routine mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. um so yeah I, with all that in mind i thought yeah i think there are probably characters named jim and bobby on taxi um you know we were a little young for watching it ourselves but definitely my parents watched it you know uh as, as much as it was on so uh and it would be in syndication later on so you'd catch it sometimes um so i was pretty sure this was taxi and that's what i put down uh, yeah, this is a classic uh, of the sitcom uh, history. Uh, Jim, played by Christopher Lloyd, he was right. the, the spacey guy. And it's kind of interesting that you logic your way into it because uh, Jim was actually getting his driver's license okay. during this. That's why he was asking. He was like trying to cheat on the test and asking, what does the yellow light mean? Slow down. Uh-huh. And then he would do that thing. Oh, um, I gotcha. Okay. Yeah. And, you know, it, it kind of doesn't make sense within the context of taxi because everybody else had their driver's licenses, obviously, because mm-hmm. they were taxi drivers. Um, 
but for whatever reason, Jim, who was the mechanic, mm-hmm. did not have one, was trying to get it. Oh, I so see. That's That was the context. And Bobby was uh, played by that that one guy in Taxi who didn't do anything else <laughs> that I can't remember. Uh, it, it wasn't uh, Judd Hirsch. It wasn't uh, Danny DeVito. It wasn't Mary Lou Henner. But, yeah. Sure. Um, and, yeah, you... I, I encourage you to find this sketch. I may I may find it on YouTube oh, yeah, I, I, um, okay. and, and drop it into the show notes because it's only like a minute, mm-hmm. but it is excruciatingly hilariously long <laughs> because yes. they, they go through like four or five repetitions of this and Jim just keeps getting slower because he mm-hmm. doesn't understand and he just yes. the the audience is absolutely losing their minds <laughs> every time he starts up again and he just commits to going through the entire line every <laughs> time every time slower and it is sure. amazing and yes this is taxi yes that's the correct answer um so that left me with four on the day which i don't super love but you know some days are like that yeah this one was tougher than yesterday uh which was the easiest day uh of at least the last year and a half okay i've been i've been keeping stats and it was like a 69 point something percent overall get rate okay uh and thorsten famously Thorsten famously aims for fifty percent, mm-hmm. uh, and like the I think the previous daily highest that I that I remembered in the last six or seven seasons was like sixty three percent. So, hmm. so yesterday was very uh, very different from the norm. Even the Tevya question was over fifty percent. Sure. So, and so I mean, yeah, look for the next few days to be absolutely fucking brutal. Oh golly, <laughs> they're just gonna they're gonna he's gonna mm-hmm. murder us. I I, I hope not, but. I am at least gratified that I won in our A mm-hmm. Rundle here with my beer because yep. I, you know, I, I definitely was bracing for it to be a tie, <laughs> um, at least hopefully not a, a tie versus a dolly or anything. But um, but yes, I was very, you know, gratified to have a beer actually result in a win, especially in a situation like that yep. um, where it's if it's a quote unquote easy day. um then you can expect it's it's beers all over the place um in the a rundle yeah and so uh but i tied of course in the private <laughs> rundle with my beer so the risk was real um yeah. and uh glad that i at least pulled out all those answers for it mm-hmm. wish i'd gotten a little closer on on some of these um it's interesting that it's kind of there are two language questions pretty directly mm-hmm. in this one and I only got the one, but maybe I won't miss too much off of that one. Of course, probably I'm getting three taken off for Gettysburg, but, um, you know, maybe I won't get too much more taken off with, with Idle versus Bucolic. Here's hoping. Yep. Well, that's it for today. Tune in tomorrow for more postgame analysis. And remember... Don't forfeit. Don't cheat. <laughs>